I had seen drought before, when we had a station out on the western side. But this was reckoned to be something extra in the way of a drought. In Sydney, one would not know that there was anything particular the matter with the country. True, one found that the lawyers were all complaining that times were bad, a sure sign of business depression. And a few of one's old friends, who used to be working as clerks and shop assistants, were now doing casual labour work down at Darling Harbour. And many people one met wanted to know what prospects there were in the New Hebrides, or Africa, or China, anywhere out of Australia. But otherwise, there seemed to be just as much money going in the city as ever. After all, it is a great country and covers a lot of ground. The drought, which is death to the northwestern squatter, is a godsend to the southern man. And down about Braidwood and the Monroe, they're making more money this year than they've made any year in the last twenty. It takes a lot to break this country. On getting into the train, one began to hear more definite things about the drought. One squatter had a good deal to say about it. Up Tamworth way, he said, you can get a team of horses and a dray and a man to drive them for ten shillings a week, provided you'll feed the horses. Everybody's feeding their stock, that is to say, those who have got anything left to feed. Sheep will be worth two pounds a head when the drought breaks. Here another man broke in. How can they ever be worth two pounds a head? Who'll have two pounds to give for a sheep? The loan companies won't lend you two pounds to buy a sheep with. Why not? Because a sheep only grows one fleece a year, whatever happens, drought or no drought, and that fleece isn't going to be worth any more in London because of our drought. People will have to wait till sheep get cheaper before they buy. That's all about it. The squatter was driven back on his last line of defence. Well, anyhow, there's been a lot of money put into the sheep, keeping them alive. Yes, more than they'll ever be worth. Oh, well, I wouldn't mind having a few thousand fats now, said the squatter. And then the train rolled out of Redfern Station up through the orchard districts of Ride, with their outcrops of volcanic soil, through miles and miles of Hawkesbury sandstone scrub, where a few misguided farmers are trying to get a living in little holes and corners, simply because there is no good land left available for settlement anywhere, up past Gosford and the Newcastle collieries, and on into the Hunter River Valley. Then, for the first time, one realises what a sickly sort of country Australia can look when it likes. For miles and miles there was nothing to be seen out of the train but bare, dry earth. Even the dusty grey roots of the grass had been eaten out. On properties where the fat stock should be wading knee-deep in clover and thistles and prairie grass at this time of the year, a few poor starving skeletons of cattle were tottering feebly about. At the railway stations, men talked to one another almost in whispers and moved about quietly like men at a funeral. There was nothing to be done but wait. Overhead, the sun blazed down brightly out of the clear wintry sky. Underneath, the ground, hard as adamant, lay and stared dumbly back. The shadeless, flowerless, fruitless gum trees.